When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with Doug Sprinthal, Ellie Nick, Andy Brent Bernard, Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt, then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Ladies and gentlemen, Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Nick, what part of the Walzer empire do you want to talk about now? Because I have no idea you what to talk about. I think you should talk about their collision centers because they do a lot of great work. Thank you. They really do. And they're, 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 okay. No, this is perfect. And that, they're conveniently located. Well, they are, actually. And yeah. we have more than most people know. So it's very interesting you brought that up because I totally forgot about it. We just redid the Walzer collision website because we've acquired... I think we've got a total of five collision shops, one in Owatonna, one in Chaska, and there's one in Oizetta, in Plymouth, and in Bloomington. They also have mobile glass repair. They also do uh, paintless dent repair work. Uh, they're accredited by all insurance carriers. They've been in business for the guy that runs it is a guy named Darren uh, Harrett. He's been with us for 30 years. In all the time he's run Walzer Collision, we have not received any BBB complaints. That's amazing in the collision work. So uh, you can find them at WalzerCollision.com, call them up on the phone, and tell them L.A. Nick sent you, and they'll go, (laughs) who in the hell is L.A. Nick? Yes. No, actually, he actually knows me. Oh, everybody knows you. Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Thanks, Nick. Nice. I like this song. I do too. Yeah. It's called Loser Beck? by Beck. I like Loser, that. No, baby. it has nothing to do with you, Doug. I swear. Oh, okay. Thanks, I like Cassie. Beck, though. I love you. I like Beck, though. I love. I, I, I want to see him live. Yeah, I like I've never Beck seen him live before. He's as cool as Prince. He's weirder He's as than cool Prince. As Prince. I like Beck a lot. He's. Oh God! I don't know how it happened. Once again, I lost my my clock. And to get that clock working, because my clock went away. Oh, here, wait a minute. I can find it right here. It just went away. It did. It just stopped showing So those up. of you wondering why we need a clock, it's to yeah. keep this finely oiled machine just <laughs> rolling right. right down the tracks. You horn dude. If you're not paying close attention, you won't realize how tight the scheduling is yes. here. Yes, we need our timing belt. It's very. We do need our timing belt. You're up, you, you horn tooting, as they say. <laughs> The uh, oh, this this does not come as a surprise. IHOP is hinting that a big change is coming with just the flip of a letter. 
The pancake chain in a tweet on Monday morning oh, suggested yeah. that it would change its name from IHOP to IHOB. What? Which is better than changing it to IPOO. IPOO, yeah. <laughs> IHOB. I-H-O-B. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, that's an awful name. Starting that's on June August. Just five days from now, they're going to change it. That's right. It's not a typo, although the company has not disclosed the meaning of the new uh, acronym. Because it has none. <laughs> People <laughs> think it's <laughs> International <laughs> House of Breakfast. That's what I was, was going to say. Is the other breakfast food feeling disenfranchised? Well, I don't know. But pancakes, you don't want to brag about selling pancakes anymore. Well, pancakes are terrible for you. I know, French they're toast. So good. French toast. I love French toast. I know it's wonderful stuff. Love but that French stuff toast. Is so bad. I know. For I can't you. eat it. Yeah, that's the one thing you go through. Like Catherine said, hey, why don't you just pick something up on the way home? So I won't say where I went, but it was a large chain of supermarkets, and I went through their deli section. There's not one thing to eat in there yeah. that doesn't have eight billion calories. No, nope. one of my favorite sandwiches, and I have them three twice a year, maybe, are Monte Cristos. Oh God! Deep fried cheese and ham with raspberries. <laughs> this just oh God, is it good? If it you is. ever wake up one day, and it's, I'm four thousand calories short. I better have a Monte Cristo. Yeah, it's hard to eat healthy. It really it is, is hard to eat healthy anymore. Eat healthy yeah, well, it doesn't right. fill you up. You don't feel satisfied. No. For me, like, I can't sit and eat a salad for a meal. Yeah. I, I can't do it. Yeah, I, I can't, can't either. Nancy can. I can't. Ugh. Steak salad. <laughs> steak salad. Have a steak salad. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, why is that? There is no God. Why is all food that tastes so magnificent so bad for you? Should not be allowed. I know. I'm really glad Alex left. Because <laughs> oh, so we'd all be getting oh. lectured now. Oh, yeah. Oh, is, is meat that bad for you, really? I mean, no. If you no, eat, if you eat small portions not. of meat, like good steak or good, you know. No, well, it's have, not bad for you. You smoked. have red meat, and then you have lean meats. Like, I mean, they consider fish a lean meat yeah, and so chicken. That's not bad for you. And no. I love that. You, you take a sea bass and cook it right. I, Deep fry it. Some to hush me, puppies. that's really good. Some hush puppies. <laughs> the puppies and hush puppies. I agree with them. Get we the know the Carolinas, right, yeah, right, Doug? I get yeah. some chili and sea bass and wrap it in tinfoil with a bunch of vegetables and put it on the grill. Oh, that's Don't the be best. such a baby. That's all I have to say to all of you. <laughs> But no, I, I uh, all that stuff like Monte Cristos and it's just, you know what Catherine does, and she thinks she's hoodwinking somebody. But I was looking for I can't I think I was looking for a, a oven mitt an oven mitt. Mm-hmm. I pull up in this drawer and it's chock full of candy. Oh, Sarah does the same thing. <laughs> it's like my well, my God. wife's an alien. She lives on like Fritos and Kit Kat bars. <laughs> There's and Catherine Kit Kat and just like, gin. And then she weighs about 95 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, no, she gets, I've got my fat pants on. Honey, those are size one. You're not just. Yeah, size one Although is not almost fat pants. All, I, I don't want to speak for all women, but I've heard this from a lot of really good looking women. Yeah. That I don't look good. I'm too fat. I'm this. I'm oh, that. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But don't worry about that because it was announced that uh, Miss America no longer is going to judge you by your looks. I still can't believe it's what a are they gonna judge beauty pageant. What are they going to judge them by? Their personality. The talent yeah. contest. <laughs> They're not going to do them. the swimsuit deal anymore. They're not going to judge them gonna by watch beauty. It. Nobody's going to watch it. Of course not. As soon as yeah, you take the swimsuits out, nobody watching it. When was the last time you watched the swimsuit competition? <laughs> Never. I, can, I think I might have been 14. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's probably about right. So uh, Gretchen Carlson announced on, I think it was the Today Show or Good Morning America. Good Morning America, I think. She announced they would not be calling it a pageant anymore. It's now a competition. They're not going to judge women by their looks. They're not going to have the beauty, the, the bathing suit part of it anymore. It's all out. So no fun of any kind. That's right. <laughs> only, 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 most people can only name one person that ever won Miss America. Well, Gretchen Carlson, that's the one that I can name. And that's the only Linda one. Linda Carter did, didn't she? Did she? Was she was Miss America? No. What, remember, America. remember, what's her name? And she did. They right when she got crowned, they found the nude pictures of oh, her. Oh, Vanessa Williams. And Vanessa Williams. She, 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 yeah. What's her name? Vanessa, Vanessa Williams. Williams. And she made. She's an A-lister now. And right. Made a huge right. career out of it. She did indeed. She's the only one that ever broke out of that with anything. I think Linda Carter did too. I didn't so? know Linda Let's Carter was Miss America. Look up famous Miss Americas, Andy. Okay, Sorry, well, I can do it, it too. I don't mean to tell you what to do. Uh, although the company has not disclosed the meaning of the new acronym, we're serious about the quality of our food and our menu, and this name change really reflects that, says Stephanie Peterson. 
IHOP's executive uh, director of communications, founded in suburban Los Angeles by Al and Larry, is it Lappin or Lapin? I have no idea how, how to say that. I think name. it's Lappin, but I'm not sure. Probably, I think it is. It probably would be Lappin. Sounds familiar. Vanessa Williams. Whoever that is, uh, yeah. yes, Debbie Turner oh. Bell, yeah, I, uh, Lee Merriweather, back in 1955. Yep. Marianne Mobley, I don't know who any oh, of these Marianne people Mobley. are. Yeah. she's very pretty. Yeah, Marianne. But you're Mobley, right. This is a short list, Nick. You are correct. Yeah, not short list made of what? Of fam- people that wound up being famous, being famous. successful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose that is in, true. in that in the entertainment world. Well, Gretchen it's like um, as a news commentator. It's like, uh, what do you call it, the American Idol. It's like, how many of those people stick around? Uh, a few. That's yeah, it. Not, not many. Lot. Not many. Not many. It's all true, so I don't know. I, I, I just, are we just going to change everything and make everything? Are we all going to end up being just a unisex and we'll just wander around with no personality I think whatsoever? It, I think we won't see it, but I think it's going that way. I, absolutely. It absolutely is. Yep. I... I, I went through something yesterday and it's just unbelievable i was at i told you i was at the supermarket yesterday it's not necessary to say where there was a woman in front of me who was, went it whole, through, was it whole foods nope <laughs> went through three credit cards all three credit cards were refused oh she, it was cub then she was there forever <laughs> and i mean forever uh they finally cleared her out i don't know how many how long it took whatever she never turned to me and said, "Oh, sorry for holding you up." Never, of course never not. even acknowledged that of I was there. Of course not. What is? How can you be that rude? Some people are rude. People don't hold doors for anybody anymore. It, it's and I, you know, it, it, it makes me the makes this just gets me really ticked off. You hold the door for somebody. Yeah. You go out of your way to do it, it, and they don't even say a word. I know. Zero. Oh, I know. Walk right through the door. I, I I'll call them on it. The other day, I like waited an extra like thirty seconds and held this door for somebody who was still coming from the street. And she didn't say a word. Not thanks, not anything. Just right through. Were they a foreigner? Nope. I gotta tell you honestly. Not a foreigner. There's one supermarket. (laughs) There's one supermarket on Palm Beach Island. It's a Publix. And they are not allowed to put the name up on the store. No No signs signs in Palm Beach. Nope. No signs are allowed. There's one Publix there. And I, for some reason, couldn't remember my ID number for my, my uh, debit card. And I don't know why. I know what it is. It happens is. to me every once in a while. But just once in a while, you just can't remember what it is. So I ended it like three times, and it kept being rejected. And the next guy, now Palm Beach Island at Christmas time is the wealthiest place in the world. In the world. There are that many people with that much money there. Yeah. So I entered it for the third time. It was rejected. And the guy, next guy in line said, why don't I just pay for your groceries? <laughs> Get the hell out of here. Well, in that case, I'll take a half a gallon of Jack. Exactly. A couple of straws. Oh, yeah, because you can buy booze in the grocery store down there. Yeah, yeah. you can in public. Can't right. You? I don't know if you know this, but the end, the very end of Palm Beach, it turns into Manalapan. Yes. That's right. the wealthiest strip of land in the world. Yeah, it is. In the world. Yeah, it is, absolutely. Per square foot for real estate. It is unbelievable how much money is it. You go buy these houses that are worth $100 million. Oh, it's, and it's crazy. Not that big a deal. And you go there and there's like 30 people working, head, cutting, oh, yeah. polishing oh, everything, cutting the hedges perfect. They're out there with scissors. Wow. Shimming yeah, the hedges. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's unbelievable. It's an amazing place to be at Christmas time. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I, I enjoyed living there for the 11 years I lived there. But I don't miss the people outside of the island, like the rest. I understand rest what you're of, saying. Yeah. Where did you live? I lived right on right near right where you live. I lived right on Olive. Oh, you did? Yeah. Where? I lived on Olive between Churchill and oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, sorry. Bet- you Ch- know where the county jail is? Where, yeah, the you know where, you know where the 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 uh, where the orchid gardens used to be, the orchid society. Yeah, they're still there. Uh, it's something else. It's Norton Norton something yeah. museum. So I, if you come out of that street. Which, yeah. That was all for sale at one time. I was going to buy that whole lot from oh, there to were. the water. Yeah, it's, it was all for sale. Oh, man. The whole street gorgeous. was for sale. That was gorgeous. But if you right across the street, the house right on the corner, I lived there. Oh, you did. And then I bought a house on Churchill. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So why did you ever leave there? Because the – so when the crack craze came through – Oh, yeah, that's true. Dixie yeah. Highway was the, the – across the track. So yes. everything east of Dixie stayed beautiful and nice. Yep. Everything west of Dixie was like – it was a, a different disaster. world. It was. And so there was a convenience store, a Cumberland Farms, right on Dixie on the east side. Mm-hmm. And the same guy, Indian guy, was the 
t- worked there forever, family-owned business, and he got shot in the head. Did he really? Yep. Somebody came in robbing for like forty-eight dollars or something, and they shot him in the head. The big and, dough. And this was. And, and this was way after the crack carries came through. But that part of Dixie never really recovered fully. Well, it has now. It, it has now, it yeah. Has but now, it, it did. Yeah. So I, I just and, – and the prices – I bought my house for really cheap then, and the prices mm-hmm. were so high. Oh, I was yeah, just like, really time now. to sell. So I sold and got out. Yeah, I understand. 2001. I sold in 2001. Oh, 2001. Okay. Yeah. So we probably ran into each other down in uh, Florida. I hung out in Palm Beach all the time at Breakers. Do you know how hard it is to pour water quietly? (laughs) (laughs) Doug's trying to pour a glass of water. Doug's being, he's distracted by pouring water. But it's a beautiful place, but there's a lot of bad people. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And I think because in the 70s and early 80s, anybody who lived in the Northeast who got in trouble, all you had to do was move to Florida and nobody was coming after you. That's true. There wasn't, there wasn't, they didn't chase you back then. They're like, glad you were gone. And you know what? We're back to that. They don't chase you anymore. Any now, it, there's nobody's going to come get you if you commit a crime in Minneapolis and you move to California. Really? Nope. Unless it's for murder, nobody's coming to get you. Yeah, I suppose that is true. They're not going to spend the money. Yeah, that, that extradition makes total sense. is almost impossible anymore, unless it's for murder. If you rob a store here and you move to South Florida or L.A., mm. nobody's coming to look for you. Really? No way. You shouldn't have told me that. Now, on yeah. the way home. It's true. What do you think, Doug? On the Let's way home, go home. knock off some grocery stores. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, you, Doug and Tom Bernard. <laughs> yeah, what a great idea. Let's go I, do I don't understand. Well, I've never really understood armed robbery, but with all the modern technology and security cameras everywhere, how do you think you're not going to get caught? These kids well, don't exactly. even care about yeah. those cameras. No. Did you see that cop? There was a guy robbing a convenience store. I can't remember where it was. I heard you talking about the this cop morning. throws a, two cans of baked beans at the guy, <laughs> hits right him in the right head. in the back of the head, and then the cops swarmed him. Hmm. Cop hit him right in the back of the head with a can. Of bushes out. baked beans. Bushes <laughs> baked beans. They're good yeah. baked beans too. Yeah, they, well, some of them are. Yeah. yeah, bushes baked beans are good. Can you imagine if that rim of that can? Yeah. Hit, oh, oh man. It hurt. It hurt like mad. Cops are. There's video of him. Throwing the cans at the guy, and the one it's hits him right in the back of the head. He was a oh, you know, no, it's a big bean company, but that'd make a great ad. I'd be buying that footage. If he was a oh, if yeah. he was a college football player, you could do some damage with a can of beans. Oh, oh sure, man. <laughs> let it go. Well, he did some damage to this guy because that guy didn't know where he was. I mean, that, that was that wrong. was that here in Minnesota? No, I don't oh. think so. I don't think I, I don't know where it took it place. It was probably it this morning. D- Dater Broward County. Yeah, oh. I would not <laughs> want that at all. <laughs> Florida man poops his pants. Yeah. That's like every story. It's always dated in Broward County. To, oh, it's, it's to, to prove my point that there's a lot of bad people down there. I spent there a lot are. of times in Orlando in the 90s and 2000s. It's just yeah. it's weird. Yeah. President Donald Trump commuted a sentence Wednesday of a woman serving a life sentence for drug offenses whose cause was championed by reality TV star Kim Kardashian West in a recent visit to the White House. Trump commuted the sentence of Alice Marie Johnson, two White House officials said. The 63-year-old spent more than 20 years behind bars and is not eligible for parole. The move comes amid a recent flurry of pardons issued by Trump, who has seemed drawn to causes advocated by conservatives, celebrities, or those who once appeared on his former reality show, The Apprentice. Uh, The officials spoke on the condition of anonymity because they weren't authorized to publicly discuss the commutation before it was announced. But uh, they say that this woman was innocent. Kim Kardashian took up the case. I don't know why she did. But here's what I understand. Kim Kardashian does nothing but badmouth Donald Trump. And then when she needs a favor, all of a sudden she's his best buddy. Well, they share some one thing in common. They're both reality TV stars. Well, that's true. That's absolutely true. So, I don't, All of these people are so fun. I was watching. I think her husband's become buddied up with Trump now, yeah, too. Yeah, Kanye so, West is yeah. kind of buddied up He with needs Trump, to buddy up with a psychiatrist, I think. He I think does. he's got some issues, man. I don't know. He might be smarter than you think. It's it's possible he's crazy like a fox, but I think he's just crazy. Just crazy. We will be right back in just a couple of minutes, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. 
Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper, and neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. I love this song. This album, this album. It's a great album. And it's still, if you listen to it now, it still holds the test of time. It's a really good album. It I really is. This video is fantastic. This those, album. Like those 12 oh, foot yeah. tall people are coming in and they're like waving back. Yeah, it's a crazy video. It really is. Yeah. He, did you ever deal with him, Marilyn Manson? I've met him a couple of times. Uh, I, really? his, well, his name is Brian. He's actually from South Florida. Yeah. And he, he lived, he actually made it out of a bar called the Plus Five in, in uh, just south of Miami. Plus or Pus? Plus. Okay. They're Plus One, That's Plus Two, name. Plus Three. Plus they're all called Pluses. <laughs> and they're all through South Florida. They're still there, actually. And uh, he used to open up for a band called Jen and the, Jenna Tortures. It was Jen and the Jenna Tortures, and it was a girl, and she was like a Marilyn Manson-type band. Oh, and yeah. Brian was really uh, not who he is today, a very shy introvert. And uh, he came out with Marilyn Manson. And the only disrespect I have for the guy, there was a girl who was a beautiful uh, Cuban girl, who, or Hispanic girl, who took care of Brian throughout his whole time. And the second he made it, Dumped her. He dumped her like like. Isn't that terrible? And never to do that. gave her nothing, and never. And she really was the reason. And I can't believe I can't remember because I was very good friends with her. I can't believe I can't remember her name, but she really used her a lot. Isn't that terrible? It is. And he's really fallen from grace now. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he has absolutely yeah. has because he's, he's got mental issues. Does he really? Oh, yeah, he serious does. mental issues. Yeah. Yeah. He they booed him off the stage his last concert. Really? Yeah, because he was so wasted. Mm. Oh, no. Really? Oh, yeah. And then the show before that, he ran up to the mixing board and messed the whole board up. And then ran back to the stage so they couldn't, they couldn't play. Why? I don't think he likes doing it. Oh, well. I don't think he likes playing any of his old music anymore. Well, then don't agree to go on tour and do it. Well, you need money. <laughs> well, but they're not going to pay you if you don't do it, though. He did a couple movies. He was in a couple movies. Was he really? Oh, yeah, and, he? and you can't recognize him. You won't recognize it's him because he's, he, he's, he's really him. Yeah. And he's kind of a really odd duck-looking guy. He has weird facial. His lips are weird. If you see him not in makeup, you would never know it's Marilyn Manson. Oh, really? Never. You'll never know it's Brian. Yeah, he was in Sons of Anarchy, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was oh, really he was? good. Yeah, he played um, a neo-Nazi prison. He was in prison. and really? And you couldn't tell it was him. Yeah, I mean, you can and you can at if the same time. If you know him time. really yeah. well, you could. I knew it was him. Because you're such a Marilyn Manson fan? I like Marilyn Manson. I do, too. No, really, all you have to do is look for the lack of eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> so. does. Oh, then he's not a narcissist. Did yeah. you guys hear about <laughs> well, that? No. People with bushy, dark eyebrows are narcissists. Don't look like at me, Garrison Doug. Garrison Keillor. I know, I was just going through the... Oh, I, I used of... to shave my eyebrows off at Did the same you? time, like back when I knew Brian in Florida. That was in Andy the 80s. Rooney. 
in the 80s, and nobody ever noticed what was wrong different way. They always go, you look different, but I, I didn't have no eyebrows. And I knew, I, knew a, I knew an FBI agent. His name was Denny Campbell. He lived, lived in Palm Beach. And uh, the second he saw me, what happened to your eyebrows? Like, he was the only one to get it. Like nobody oh, else could figure it out. He was an That's FBI good. guy. He took care of business because he was an FBI guy. I, that was a route that was open to me. I could have got into the FBI. What? Yeah. Heaven help us. I'm Can serious. you imagine L.A. Nick as an FBI agent? Uh, when I was young, when I was probably 20, I got offered to, to be in, in the FBI. My brother, Terry, I brought, brought him up earlier, but way back in the day, he and I were working together as janitors, and one of the janitors was just goofy. Oh, God, this guy was goofy. And so he, he says, I want to show you a picture of my wife. Look at this. And he shows a picture, and she was a pretty big woman. I mean, mm-hmm. a pretty big woman. And he goes, you know what she does? Yeah, I'm only a janitor, but she's in the FBI. And Terry goes, what's that? Fat bronze incorporated. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Good God. Your brother's hysterical. Oh, God. It was unbelievable. I was the a janitor for a while. That's where I learned the fine zen art of operating a floor polisher. Do you ever have to run oh, those you, Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's all balance and finesse. You try it to is. muscle one of those things, it's a mm-hmm. long night. you got to let it do the, the walking, right. right? But once you get it, it's, it's like, like buffing a car. Oh, it's easy. Yeah. It's like what? Buffing out a car. It is? Yeah. I'm, I, I've done that a lot. Let's say buffed cars. It's you, you have to let the machine do the work. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our special guest, Steve Israel. Uh, his new book, Big Guns, Big Guns by U.S. Congressman turned novelist Steve Israel, is a blunt and biting parody about guns and politics. Think Thank You for Smoking meets the NRA. Based on real people and setting, it's, uh, it takes readers behind the scenes to the most private places on Capitol Hill, pulls back the curtain on congressional absurdities and machinations with the gun lobby. Yeah, Steve, how are you? Hey, it's good to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's nice having you on. I understand we have a 10-minute window. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. But, uh, you know, if this interview goes well, I might extend it. We'll see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for Israel. You know, you can, take the, you can take the congressman out of Congress, but you can't take the Congress out of the congressman. It's always a deal. Steve, I've got to be honest with you. I, I just The things that go on... Uh, in Washington, D.C., well, not just there, all the politics now. Have, have all politicians lost their minds? You know, I think that we are in an age of very polarized minds. I mean, yes. as a result of, of congressional gerrymandering, which creates districts that are either hard to the left or hard to the right, yeah. and the kind of tribalization of the media, I think that uh, collectively our minds have grown far more to the right and far more to the left, and what we're lacking in the country is uh, a sense of, uh, of getting back to the center. Do you think that social media did that? Oh, I think it definitely contributed to it. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a time when uh, we actually studied our politics. There was a time when we would go home and watch the news, turn on Walter Cronkite, you know, and yep. there was a time we can get lots of different newspapers and really take the time necessary to understand and analyze issues and talk with one another. Now in the age of, uh, of Twitter, um, I think we've actually uh, – fall into a, a national attention deficit disorder. You know, our attention spans are shortened. Um, we grab that television clicker and just go to the next uh, next program without really enjoying what we were watching. And and I, I think that that, is, that really does explain why we are in kind of the national div, uh, divide that we're in. Yeah, do you think, because I've been speculating lately, I do a, a morning show as well, and I've been talking a lot on that show about there is some kind of fear that is rampant in the United States, but I can't identify it. A lot of a lot of things that people do right now, the private citizens, seem totally fear-based. Like all this hatred that's coming out on social media seems really fear-based to me. Do you think, do you, would you understand, what would cause something like that? You know, I think you're really onto something. Um, one, I, I served in Congress for 16 years. Uh, and I left unindicted and undefeated. Uh, one of the you. last uh, projects uh, that I handled was uh, I was put in charge of messaging for all House Democrats, which you know might have 
entitled me to a Nobel Prize had I been able to get every Democrat to say the same thing. Yeah. And that, but we, we did, that required us to really understand uh, what was in the minds of voters. And one of the things that we researched was uh, the highest recorded levels of fear that uh, we had uh, seen in decades, and it was fear of going to a movie sh a theater and maybe getting shot, yeah. uh, fear yeah. of Ebola, fear of what terrorists were doing. And when that fear kind of aggregates uh, and there's no release from it, uh, you go to uh, hatred, you go to vilifying, you go to trying to protect your survival in whatever way you have to. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. I have, to, I have to read something from the description sent to me. Congressman Steve Israel is a distinguished writer in residence, uh, uh, writer in residence at Long Island University in New York. But this is a line I love. President Bill Clinton called him one of the most thoughtful members of Congress, which Israel states isn't really saying all that much. <laughs> I, I have a question for you. Yeah. I, we we uh, Keith Ellison announced that he's not going to run for re-election. He's going to uh, run for Attorney, AG yeah, in AG, yeah. Minnesota. It seems yeah. kind of unusual. What's your take on that? Well, I um, I worked very closely with Keith. He was a good friend. Uh, we didn't see eye to eye on every single issue, but we worked um, uh, tremendously together. Uh, when I chaired the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, uh, he was incredibly helpful uh, to the committee. Uh, Keith, I think, uh, looks at the kind of gridlock uh, and divisiveness and paralyzation of the United States Congress where nothing's getting done, and he can stay in that, or uh, he can become an attorney general and these days, state attorneys generals are, you know, they are really um, involved and they're really making things happen or not happen. I mean, when you take a look at some of the things that the president has, has tried to do in terms of reversing our commitments on climate change uh, or uh, things with respect to immigration, it's, it's attorneys generals and, and governors uh, who are really uh, most active and most effective uh, in engaging in those issues, and, and Congress continues to just kind of dither on uh, without an ability to compromise. That's an interesting answer, because we were talking about this earlier, about what is the new hierarchy of, you know, public office, because it, it used to be Congress was everything, and then the Senate and stuff, but now governorships yeah. seem to be becoming more valuable than some of those national positions, so thank you. You know, I, I just had lunch with Governor Jeb Bush. Uh, in uh, we were in New York, uh, and we just had lunch. And uh, you know, I said to him, "Why would you have ever wanted to be president when you were a governor? Um, I mean, you can right. actually run things as a governor. Yep. Uh, you know, right now, you know, in Congress or even in the White House, um, you know, there's just such a polarization and such a disconnectedness that it becomes harder than ever." You know, Tim, I heard a great description of being a governor. It's like being CEO of the state. Yeah, exactly. I think it's yeah, I agree. Exactly. I agree. It. We got a big uh, um, Governor Dayton's retiring. He's gonna he's gonna leave office, and we have about fifteen thousand people running for governor here now, and including a former <laughs> governor, uh, Tim Pawlenty, is running again, and we have all kinds of people running. Uh, nobody cares about the endorsement of either party, which is kind of weird to me. Yeah, I don't really understand why. It you know, I think that uh, the, the, the party brands ac across the spectrum, party brands are really weak right now. Yep. You know, um, yep. we, we used to have a faith in institutions, um, and those institutions included, included the political parties. But now uh, our faith in institutions has really deteriorated. You know, sports is less popular uh, because of Deflategate and, and baseball players on steroids. The, the institution of the church is less popular because of scandals. Wall Street is less popular. Uh, and political parties are less popular. There's a craving, I think, that the American people have, not for somebody who has a, a brand uh, of a political party, but somebody's going to get things done for them. Somebody who is going to reject ideology uh, in order to move people forward. Uh, and I think that's what explains the, the fact that so many candidates uh, are, are trying to run for office by running, uh, in some respects, away from their party brands. That does make complete sense to me. And especially, especially in this state, you know, we, our cities are completely Democrat, and the, and the rest of the state is completely yeah. Republicans. So it's very divided here. It is very divided. Right. 
right? No, it is absolutely yeah, true. Yeah, and you, you've got some great races coming up. Uh, I mean, you've got uh, the Attorney General's race and uh, gubernatorial, and uh, you have uh, uh, Tim Walls running. Tim was a good friend of mine. Betty McCollum, uh, who's a terrific member of Congress, is running. So you've got a lot of political action going on in the state of Minnesota. Do you uh, Were you surprised that Tim Walls didn't get the uh, DFL endorsement? Um, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't close enough to it to make a judgment, oh, okay. uh, but I'll tell you what, Tim uh, did and continues to do amazing work on behalf of veterans in the military uh, in Congress, so I always enjoyed uh, his friendship and his leadership on those issues, and I, I hadn't uh, heard about you know, what he's going to do moving forward. Is he still a viable candidate? Yeah, I, I would have I to think defer so. to you guys on that. I think, that, I think that he is. I think a lot of people like Tim Walls. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. It just fascinates me that in Minnesota, and I was born here, raised here, moved away for a while, lived in Chicago and New York and a couple other places, found out we were going to have our first child, so we moved back here, and I've been doing the, a morning show here for 33 years. Yeah. So i I actually been in radio for, oh, God, 48 years now. That's, God, I just thought about that. It's going on 49. <laughs> so what I did, Steve, is I kind of did a, po- a political thing on you I got you to talk about politics because now you have to stay for the break and then come back and talk about your book. You know, I knew I could smell that strategy from Minnesota, New York, and I'm going to stick with you. I do have to leave in about 15 minutes, I mean, about 10 minutes from now, though, That's, okay? That is magnificent. That'll be wonderful. But, no, Steve, uh, I knew, you trapped me. No, I knew you'd be a great guest. <laughs> That's the whole thing. I knew you'd be a really good guest, and 10 minutes was enough, but 20 minutes would be great. It'll be wonderful. There you go. I you promise. got it. We'll come back, and we'll get you out of here in 10 minutes, I promise. We'll okay. be right back. More with Steve Israel on the Tom Bernard Show right after this. This is Tom for Flow. For the past 35 years, Flow's passion to invent a better way has created some of the finest recreational products available. Flow's CargoMax trailer line is a perfect example of their innovation. This trailer is redefining the utility trailer industry. They start with a strong aluminum frame and then add a thermoform polymer bed. It gives you a nearly indestructible one-piece trailer body. And since it's molded, it adds style that the trailer industry has never seen. They even beat it with a large sledgehammer at 20 below zero to prove how tough it is. Best of all, you'll never worry about dents, rust, rot, or paint. Visit their website at floeintl.com to find your local dealer and to see videos of this unique trailer, including a video showing hockey star Ryan Suter shooting pucks at it trying to break it. You'll quickly see how Flow has earned the reputation for quality products and offering you more for your money. Flow, a better way. I remember when my older brother came home from Vietnam and how proud I was to be seen with him in uniform. I'm a huge supporter of our military men and women and always have been. I've also got a soft spot for women and children. Lincoln said in his second inaugural speech that we should take care of the wounded and care for the widows and orphans. That's exactly what the Gold Star Ride Foundation does. This summer, the Gold Star Ride Foundation will travel across the country visiting Gold Star families on an ambitious adventure to help those families and remind them they are not forgotten. I made a commitment to help this organization just like Weston Choppers, Northlight Color, and Print Media Minnesota, and you should too. It's pretty easy to do. Just visit www.goldstarride.org and click the donate button. Many of my listeners already have, and that's great, but let's not forget, we're all in this together. www.goldstarride.org. Today's a good day to do it. Be proud of our veterans and their families. Make a contribution today. Are you playing big guns? Yes, I am. She's playing big guns for you, Steve Israel. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, our special guest on the Tom Bernard Show, Steve Israel. Big Guns by U.S. Congressman turned novelist Steve Israel is a blunt and biting parody about guns and politics. I want to hear all about big guns, Mr. Israel. Well, you know, I uh, served in Congress 16 years, as I said, uh, began writing halfway through uh, and loved it, published a novel called The Global War on Morris, which was a satire uh, of, uh, of the Bush administration. And then I wanted to tackle the issue of Congress's response to gun violence. In, in the 16 years that I served in Washington, uh, there were 52 mass shootings, um, a, a movie theater and Aurora, Colorado, uh, a campus at Virginia Tech, uh, 
nightclub in Orlando and a um, elementary school in Connecticut. And after every single one of those shootings, most of my colleagues and I would notice that the single most asked question by our constituents was, when are you going to do something? You don't have to do everything, yeah, yeah. but can you at least do something like strengthen background checks? And I realized that the honest answer to the question was never. Congress is just not going to do anything, and I, I felt I owed people an obligation uh, to, uh, to give them uh, the, uh, the honest answer. And I did it by writing this book, and I did it in the best way I know, which is through snark and satire uh, and from the very inside of the United States Congress. I think it's a, well, you see, first of all, satire, I think we need to get satire back in our lives because people have no sense of humor at all right now. So I do you think- know, you're so right. There's actually there's a, a fierce debate now um, in in literary circles about whether satire is dead um, yeah. or at least on hiatus. And some people say it's because every day is a political satire, uh, you know, coming out of Washington. And others say we've just lost our our sense of humor. Uh, we can't. We've la- uh, lost an ability to poke fun at ourselves. I hope that's wrong because I think satire is a patriotic way uh, of commenting on what's happening in the world and bringing people into an issue uh, in, in an accessible and lighthearted uh, fashion. Yeah, and I, see, that's the whole situation uh, for me. Is well, I, I, I have to point something out. Doug, who's with us, he's want to talk to you a bit earlier. He just yeah. blamed me for, he said, are you going to tell uh, Steve Israel that it's your fault that Donald Trump is president? And I said, explain. explain <laughs> oh, I, I have to explain this. So explain, this explain. guy runs the biggest morning show in the in the state, has 20 share for a million years. And he was the guy that was buddies with Jesse Ventura that sort of gave him a platform when Jesse threw that Hail Mary pass for the state governor election, which obviously won. So this just opens the door for people like Arnold Schwarzenegger to run for governor of California. It makes John McCain think, well, I'm going to have Sarah Palin as a running mate. And pretty soon we got Donald Trump as president, thanks to the guy that you're interviewing. I, I love that. So it's all this guy's fault. That's huh? right. That's- <laughs> you found, we found uh, patient zero. Patient zero. Got yes. it. Got it. You believe Got this it. Thing? Well, I, you, Doug, you may be giving him more credit or blame than he deserves. <laughs> Good. Um, Good. But, uh, there, there, look, there's no question that our, you know our politics is really degraded, and I talk about that in the book. You know, in, in big guns, I have real people. I mean, they're fictionalized, but they're based on actual characters. Uh, so Sarah Palin is in there, and uh, you know Michelle Bachman, Bachman a former oh, oh, yeah. Let's member not of Congress, her. is in there. I have her. Her character is uh, Marsha Backfury. Um, but <laughs> characters are based on real people that I served with, uh, and their flaws right uh, are apparent for all to see and read. I think it's wonderful. Well, Doug just said he's going to buy your book right now. He's going on his phone and <laughs> buying your book right Good. now. All right, well, that's one. <laughs> I, I, just, I think we do need a sense of humor about our Paul. Everybody is so serious, and it's, oh, my God, yeah. I hate you if you don't agree with everything that I have to say. Settle down. Um, yeah, I agree. Steve, I, I, have you spent I, much time in Minnesota? Because, uh, and the reason I ask you that is, Minnesota, although I was born here and I love living here, I, I, you know, I really <laughs> like it, no doubt about it, mm-hmm. the most passive-aggressive human beings on earth. And <laughs> it's unbelievable. Well, here's an example. Yeah. We're not Democrats here. We're DFLers. We're not Republicans here. We're independent <laughs> Republicans great. here. It's like we always have to be special somehow, and I don't really yeah. understand that. Well, look, I've, uh, I, I have spent a considerable amount of time in, in Minnesota when I chaired the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Um, we learned that, number one, Minnesotans are notoriously independent, um, and uh, so Minnesota was a very important battleground for House candidates. Uh, they're also very generous, and so I, I did quite a few fundraisers uh, in Minneapolis and St. Paul, uh, where people opened up their home, and uh, we were able to uh, to benefit by their generosity. Uh, and, and I have to say, Betty McCollum, uh, I mentioned her before, she's mm-hmm. one of my, she'll kill me for saying this, uh, but she's one of my closest, was one of my closest friends in Congress, and continues to be a very dear friend. 
Well, I'm glad to hear that. You don't have to worry about uh, her hearing you on this show. She can't stand me. So, <laughs> I'm happy to be your ambassador to her if necessary. Oh, good. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, now Doug's laughing at me. He can be Jimmy Carter to you in North Korea. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Exactly. Uh, Jimmy, exactly. Uh, Steve, let me ask you a question. And, and, and I think sure. it's Donald Trump, and a, but I also thought it was Barack Obama. The arrogance of these last two presidents we've had is stunning to me. They have said things like, you're the president of the United States. You can't say something like, I'm the president and I have a pen, or I'm the president of the United States, I'll do whatever I want, and tweet your ass off. It's driving yeah. me crazy. Would you just serve the people, please? Yeah, I understand that completely. I, I, I would say, and obviously I'm biased because I was yeah. a Democratic leader, right. um, there is a distinction. Obama... Uh, did executive orders because Congress made a decision on the first day he was inaugurated, uh, enunciated by Senator Mitch McConnell, yeah. that their number one priority was to stop him from being reelected. Uh, and when you had a Congress that was unwilling to, to pass things that they even supported, um, then the president resorted to executive orders. But the fact of the matter is, that in his first six weeks of, pre of, of uh, his presidency, Donald Trump did more executive orders than right. President Obama did in his first two years as president. Right. Uh, and uh, which I find ironic because Donald Trump campaigned actively against executive orders and said that uh, he would avoid them. Uh, so I do think there is that distinction, but I also think that the, you know the American people right now they don't care whether you get things done by executive order or you get things done by an act of Congress. They want some compromise in Washington, and they want some dignity back. They want to be able to respect uh, their public officials uh, and not cringe at the latest tweet by their president. I couldn't agree more. It drives me insane. Uh, first of all, yeah. I don't go on Twitter. I don't go on Facebook. I just uh, everybody's a tough guy, and it's like if you want to come over and you know sit in the studio and talk to me yeah. like that, good. But everybody's a tough guy now, and everybody's got all this, these things to say. And I, ugh, I, I, why our president is so in love with Twitter, I will never understand. It almost died, and he kept it alive, basically. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, he really did. Yeah. Mr. Israel, I yeah. promise to get you out in 10 minutes, so I will keep my promise. I'd love to have you back as a guest and talk more about your book, Big Guns. Or talk about anything. You seem to make a lot of sense, and I appreciate that. I'd love to do it. You invite me, and I'll do it. You're a good man. Thank you, Mr. Israel. 19 bucks. All right. <laughs> like Doug goes, $19. Thanks, I'll see you soon, I hope. Thanks right. a lot. I hope so. The book right, is called bye. Big Guns, Steve Israel. We kept them practically for 22 minutes. Excellent. Just, just to, I just did it to be a pain in the ass. I didn't even know that. No, I liked it. I liked it. See, you know, there's a guy who's a, who's a pretty far left liberal. Democrat. Yeah, I know who he is. But I he know. makes total sense. Yeah. That's all I'm asking about. I don't care if you're a Republican, you're a Democrat, what you are. Uh, just make sense. That's all I'm asking I want to say what the, the, the first, uh, he was talking about the executive orders that Trump did the first year, yeah. first month. Yeah. They were all actually reversals they were, to reverse yeah. everything. He undid right Obama's that. executive orders. <laughs> you're, you're right. And not, it was 9 out of 10 were reversals of Obama's executive orders. I don't know. I just, uh, I, I really wish these people would just serve the people, whether they're in the city government, state government, county government, the federal government. Just serve you the people. Saying, even down to our city government. Oh, yeah. It's all about what's in it for yep. them. Not yep. even like right now, our mayor of Minneapolis, it's not what's good for the people or the city. It's what can he gain in his, in his you career. Like him. I like him, but yeah. they're so greedy. They, they, all they want to do is get rich and get on that national platform. Well, it's a really good life. book about national politics. It's, it's very old because it was written by P.J. O'Rourke when he was a liberal. I love P.J. O'Rourke. It's called Parliament of Horrors. It's a really Parliament of Horrors is a great book. It's a great That's book. That's what we got going on right now. Well, that's why I like that show Alpha House. It's um, on Amazon oh, because yeah. it has that satire yeah. to it, and it, it takes. Do they have new seasons of that? No, they only had like two, two, right? It's John yeah. Goodman and. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, it's so funny, and they poke fun on both sides. Yeah. And they base their characters off of real life. Um, one of the gals who in the show who's very 
like far right extremist. I think they based her character off Michelle Bachman. Yeah, maybe. Well, I, I can't. Mean, Michelle Bachman. Yeah, <laughs> there's a scene where she brings a she brings a gun in the Capitol. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And she, you know, everyone was on lockdown, and John Goodman's character found out it was her, the one that had the gun. Yeah. He goes, forget this, and he goes and just takes the gun away from. I mean, it's just so funny. Just some of the little um, things they have. It's just. Oh, it's such a good... And that this book kind of reminds me of that show. Yeah. So I highly recommend it, especially for you, Tom. I think you would really enjoy it. You and I, Catherine would laugh out loud. I love John Goodman. I, I do, too. I think he's just hilarious. I think he's wonderful. I really do. But, you know, I wish that politicians... Okay, former congressman, Steve Israel. I wish politicians would add that sense of humor... And everything's so serious. Yeah. Oh, my God, we can't joke around about anything. Oh, my God. It's, what has happened to human beings? Well, that's kind of the whole country. It is the can't whole country. can't joke around about anything anymore. No, exactly. I just, I really wish we'd get back to having fun once in a while and, you know, joking around, all the rest of it. But people are just, oh, I can't do that. I've got I've to be very serious because everybody is like... No, no, not most of us. I would say 90% of the country would be leaning toward the middle. And 5% are way far left and 5% are way far right. And you guys are running the whole show. Pretty which much. Which really pisses me you know, that's off. That's one of the things I always liked about Tim Plenty. I, I didn't agree with him on very much, but I thought he had a lot of intellect and a lot of class. And he also had a pretty good sense of humor about stuff, too. He did, yes. Yeah. He absolutely did. There have been some in the past. You know, the guy, you talk about a Republican with no sense of humor, that'd be Arnie Carlson. That yeah. guy had no sense yeah, of humor. He was a flatliner. Although he was married to Barbara, so you probably would lose your <laughs> sense of humor going through that about deal. that. Yeah, I don't trust anybody that doesn't have a sense of humor. He doesn't. I mean, I, I was in, Cindy Bricotta was kind of his. Yeah, uh, PR director, PR or something director, like that. something like yeah. that. She invited me to dinner at the governor's residence. Mm-hmm. She said, "You should really meet uh, Governor Carlson." What a bore this man was! I mean, just unbelievable. Yeah, you know. <laughs> really, they seem to all be that way. Uh, plenty wasn't. Plenty. He yeah, does plenty would be fun to have dinner with. But can you imagine going to dinner with Rudy Perpich? Oh God! <laughs> can you even imagine? Yeah, Dennis from the Iron Range. Nothing wrong with the Iron Range. No. But no. Yeah, that's the most the, electrifying personality. How in the many world. terms? Like four? Yeah, I think it was three or four. Three or time. four terms as, as governor of the state of Minnesota. And actually did a pretty good job. Yeah, he but did. But he just was not. A don't you great think? Don't you companion. think a lot of these people who were in office, it has to do with the time, like ebb and flow of mm-hmm. economy and yeah, society. It does. If I they does. did, if they actually <clears throat> did exactly a good job, right. or they didn't, like I think it's just kind Clinton of just got luck. a lot of credit for yeah. the wind was at his back when, and, and, when they invented the dot com boom. Sure, and, and also, yeah. also think about this: the wheels, the wheels of economic wheels of this country are very large. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they take very long time to turn. So if you got say. T- Tom got elected today as president. Oh, you're in trouble now. It's not whatever he decides this next three months aren't going to affect you for a year, maybe three. So it's not actually what whoever's doing what now is affecting you. It's it's a lot of things involved. Although one thing that politicians can do, especially in real powerful positions, is to change people's attitudes. Yeah. Which does uh, Ronald Reagan did something I thought was brilliant because in his first term we had really high unemployment coming out of the 70s, yeah. and so he dropped the unemployment rate overnight by doing one thing. And before that, uh, if you were in the armed forces, you weren't considered to be employed. And he goes, "Well, they have jobs. We pay them checks, so we're going to count them in the employment rolls." And so unemployment came down a percent and a half, and everybody went. Well, economy's getting better, and we better start hiring some right. people. And that wasn't the only thing that turned mm-hmm. it around, but that's the kind of things that that people can do that will have a short-term effect. But you're right; it is. There's a lot, lot of factors. Big. Yeah, there's a lot of factors. That is going to do it for our Wednesday. Thanks for listening, Tom Bernard Show.